Welcome to the Soaring Stories podcast, biz bestie style chats for teen entrepreneurs. I'm Anna, the owner of Anna Made Design Co., a handmade greeting card shop, and the founder of Soaring Together. Here, we'll uncover the stories of young business owners and talk about all things creative writing, marketing, and design. Let's go. All right, welcome back to Soaring Stories. I really have no idea how to start this episode because I've never really met our guest, Caroline, except for now. And I read a ton of her blog posts, a ton of her Instagram posts. But I think I'm going to go ahead and start by asking you about your Instagram feed. Just for a little bit of context, Carolyn's Instagram feed, she yesterday posted a cow video with like her talking and the cow talking. It was pretty funny. You're going to have to check it out. She posts way more carousels than reels. And there's never any trace of like, I've definitely seen this Canva template before ever on any of her posts. So tell us about like your whole Instagram and what inspired that and how it kind of relates to your business. It's Yeah, it's a good one. Um to be honest, there's like no real formula to my Instagram. You you get on there and you're a bit like, what's going on? But um, like my audience is primarily Gen Z. Like I'm 23, like most of them are Gen Z or Gen Alpha. And it seems to vibe really well. And um, I tend to just like being a little bit weird, a bit different. Um, It's more human. So mm-hmm. I like to mix like personal stuff with what I'm doing with my, like my community, my business and I probably should post more reels. That's like a challenge. I, I'm really, I find that difficult, but um, it's funny when you said the carousel thing, I think a lot of people think that like the long form stuff on Instagram, like people don't really pay attention to it. I don't think that's true. Like actually my carousels get quite a lot of traction because I think they're a bit weird, you know? So my whole thing with my Instagram, a lot of the time is is bringing unrelated things together you know, like the and portfolios or like my boyfriend and copywriting, which people seem to like. So that's, that's pretty much it. There's not really like a set structure to it at all. Yeah. I've also found that like, instead of writing super long captions, when you put the words in the carousel, then people actually swipe through. And sometimes it actually does better than the videos, which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, that cow one is <laughs> it's not doing that great, but I mean, it's weird. So I mean, I can't, I can't expect much. So it's so funny though like how did you decide to do that how did did that whole idea just like pop into your head or what I literally I was outside because I live on like a like a farm with like solar panels and stuff like on an apartment on a farm and like there's just cows walking around and I was walking outside and I was like let me just do some random there was no thought behind it like this is a weird thing with like creativity it just kind of comes up even if it doesn't really make sense in the moment and then I just do it, which I think is like a good lesson to like live by when it comes to writing in general. Yeah, I was thinking about, I went to go swim this morning, which is the first time I've ever done that. But I thought that there, I saw on my car, there was like so much bird poop. It's like, what if I just took care of this now? And then I wouldn't have to worry about it. But now that I didn't do it right away, I'm like not going to do it for the rest of the summer. So no yeah it's the same with yeah it's the same with creativity because it just the moment's gone and then you just it just doesn't happen so yeah so you kind of mentioned you're a copywriter would you just introduce yourself to everyone listening sure so I'm Carolyn I'm 23 I am a copywriter like you said I write for tech brands and then my little side hustle is Wordtonic which is it's kind of like a community and learning hub for Gen Z copywriters, but it also teaches like young aspiring copywriters how to break into the industry and like we connect them with big brands. So that's kind of what I do. And then I, I surf part-time very badly. So that's my little hobby on the side. 
What made you decide to drop out of university and pursue the tech writing full time? So, I mean, I was listening to your TEDx talk and actually a lot of the stuff you were saying kind of resonated. Um, you know, you you talked about you thought going to high school and, it, and doing English there would be like really fun. And it just wasn't. I had the kind of the same experience at university. I thought it would be like really great, but it was also during the whole COVID period. So that was like a big knock, but I just didn't like being told what to read. And again, it was this whole stiff thing with the writing. You couldn't really, it was like, this was the way you were supposed to write. And that was it. And I was actually doing freelance copywriting on the side anyway. And it was taking up all my time. And I was like, I can't give 110% to both of these things. And I don't have like the financial means to keep investing in uni if I'm not gonna make the most of it. So I thought like, let's quit. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I don't I don't regret it. Like it's probably been the best decision I've made. Like I don't think it's wrong to go to university. If you want to go, go. But if you don't really want to go or you financially can't and you want to become a copywriter, like you don't need to. So that that's my my spiel on that. Did were you doing Zoom classes at that time or did you drop out before then? No, no, we were doing Zoom classes. It was just all Zoom. Yeah. That's we were funny. about to go into the in-person stuff but I just quit before. (laughs) So. And now you kind of like lead zoom calls with a bunch of copywriters, 200 you posted. So how do you, your zoom calls more fun than the university ones and actually make them relevant and interactive and all of that. So we use this platform called butter, which I think has helped massively. They have like this really weird, like soundboard that you, I'm weird. As you can tell, like you press buttons and they say things like, like thank you daddy Uh, like I've done that to the speaker a couple of times at the end and they're like what's going on um so the the members can just press that and like proper like just go mad with it which puts speakers off a bit but it is what it is and also I think just being super interactive with the people on the call it's a lot of members that I have in the community but what I found is you might have like a lot of people in the community but only about half of them only ever come to the calls so that's a little bit more manageable. And then you can like address people directly. And I kind of tend to just look straight, like, and try to just, you know, pretend like I'm looking at different people at different times, even though I'm not. But um, the good thing is a lot of the time it's a speaker talking. So it's like, it's, it's your job now. I'm out. So what is the ideal Zoom background? Okay, I, I read that question. I was like, do you mean like professional? Do you just mean like... Just for like, just what is your that... favorite thing to do if you're being super weird on a call and you're like, I just okay. want the best Zoom background out of these, all of these people on here. Okay, well, the, the one, there's two. So there's this one background you can actually do on your, you can turn yourself into like a strawberry and like you talk and you're, it's, that's like my favorite one. And then the next one is when a speaker comes on to do a call, I get like a few members and we put their face as the background and kind of like hide when they come in the room. <laughs> so just to like freak them out of it. So, yeah. That's pretty fun. What about I, you? For me, I don't really experiment with that kind of stuff, but I do love the like putting per- someone else's face and then like them seeing themselves. All of- That's pretty <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they always get freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say you're writing like a cold email and you wrote you wrote a good subject line, someone opened it and they read the email. How do you make it so that they're actually going to respond? And this could be whether you're like pitching a copywriting 
client or trying to find someone to speak in your community? What's your like formula or how do you find creative ways to get people to read your emails and respond? So for me, I do sort of like three things. Um, they're kind of simple. So like the first one is being super conversational. So I hate that whole like, dear, blah, 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 or like to whom it may concern or like sincerely, you know, it's just like, stop doing that. You know, you may not, you're probably not a bot, but you sound like one when you do that. And then also another one for me is that whole, again, like the whole idea of bringing unrelated stuff together, like idea synthesis. So in my last email, I mean, on the top of my head, the last cold email I sent out was to someone who had downloaded a copywriting booklet from the community website. And usually when they do that, they have sort of like an interest in joining, you know, but they're on the fence. So I was like, okay, I'm going to send them an email, like cold. And what I did was in the subject line, I put something like you dot, dot, dot and pandas. So that was already like you and pan, like what's the connection? Immediately they're hooked. They're thinking like, where's the correlation and then they click on it and then the like the opening line is like have you been kidnapped by pandas because obviously they were taking a while to get back to me I was trying to make light of the situation they did join so I think just putting an element of surprise in there not being super generic is super helpful and then the third one is breaking the text up so those long chunky things like in school they would I don't know the paragraphs in school it was like this is a paragraph but to me a paragraph is like like that now um way more like small like seven sentences max and then sometimes maybe using visuals as well because again it, it just it's easy to break it up and, and like guide the reader a bit so yeah that's that's pretty much what I do so you do you split up the text a lot putting in a lot of images are there any other like quick fixes things that you do to make your writing sound more human another one that I usually do is I kind of talk directly to them. So instead of like just talking at them, I might say something like, now I know what you're thinking, you know, so that it's kind of like, I'm forging a connection with them. So like using words like I and you a lot, super helpful. Otherwise, I don't know, it just sounds a bit forced and also not, I like it when people personalize it and put like, you know, hey, Carolyn, that's cool. But then if you put my name like 60 times in the email, like, how are you doing today, Carolyn? I saw it's like, it's a bit weird. Like you don't even know me. So that's, that's a bit much in my opinion. Yeah. It's always interesting to see. Cause when I sign up for email newsletters, I usually don't put my name. And then every once in a while, I get all like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Name. And it's all in capitals. And oh, no. I'm not mad about it. Cause I know I could have put my name like when I signed up for the email, but it's always like, oh yeah. Yep. They're doing the whole personalization thing. Placeholder. Yeah how much do you actually write every day? Because I feel like my idea of a writer is someone who wakes up super early and then they're writing like a thousand words and then they go eat breakfast and then they're writing another 3000 words or whatever. So if you had to give us like an average, how much time do you spend actually writing versus doing other things for your business? I would say a good like half a day. Um, Because right now, I mean, I have like a group of people that help me like run the community, but you know, I can't expect them to like write everything. So I'm my own marketer right now, which is great. I love it. But on average every day, like I, I do like an Instagram post a day, a LinkedIn post. Then it's kind of sending out obviously those, they're not really cold emails, but people that are interested in the community. And I kind of just follow up with them, give them more information, all the DMs, messages. Like for me, that's also writing, like mm-hmm. people sending me messages and having to get back to them. So it's a good half a day. Um, at some point it would be nice to kind of ease the load a bit. Like I also write a weekly newsletter 
a weekly is a lot, right? So every day I'm I'm also writing a bit to come up with stuff for that. But at some point I'm gonna get people in the community to write it for me. Paid obviously, but yeah, about half a day right now. And then on top of that, I have my copywriting job, which is part-time, but still, yeah, it's it's quite intense. Um I think I think it's always that way as a business owner, right at the start when you're doing everything yourself. Yeah. You talked about writing and what would be your favorite part of having a freelance business or a favorite thing to write? What is like the best part for you? To me, like hands down the flexibility, like I wouldn't have been able to do this whole word tonic thing, this community thing, you know, if I had been working in-house at an agency, which is great, but it's like there will be no time for it. And also the ability to work from anywhere. Like I used to live in the UK, now I live in Portugal and I'm so much more in tune with nature. Like I probably would have been able to do that in the UK, but just being able to just take the laptop and just go like, okay, I'm going to go there for a day and I can work. That's like a really great perk of it. Do you always work in your home or do you go out to different places? What is the ideal place for you to work on writing? I feel like a lot of people, they have this like vision of like working at a beach or like a cafe. The cafe is nice. The only thing is right now in Portugal, we're like literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I usually stay inside now. There's also like, I have a balcony. So sometimes I go outside, but there is this massive bug. Like it's like that big and it flies and it comes at you. So that area is off limits now. So right now it's just inside, but like, yeah. What about you? Like, do you like, what, what's your favorite place? I've been trying to go to coffee shops, but they're always so loud. And then the Wi-Fi is pretty iffy. So it's usually just in my room. <laughs> It's such a weird, everybody, it's like the coffee shop is like the place to go, but it, it's so unrealistic a lot of the time, like the places people pick to do work. So, yeah. And there's so many people there. And then I get distracted because I'm always listening to what people are saying. I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? Like nothing confidential, but it's just like interesting to listen to people talk. And then that's distracting and yeah, whatever. Sucked into it. Yeah. No, I get it. You also mentioned you write for tech companies, which are like, stereotypically not super creative definitely not like word tonic or the types of things you're doing there so what's the balance of figuring out what you can say or what you can't say for those clients usually a lot of the brands that I write for are very kind of not dull just you know stayed and this is it and then when it's when it's like that and there's very little wiggle room what I do is I just try to be like again as conversation as possible so there's a few things I do so again I direct questions to the reader. I uh, I talk directly to the reader. So I might be talking about some really obscure technical topic and I might be like, now I know what you're thinking. What kind of encyclopedic nonsense is this? Like just kind of making light of the situation in front of it. Like, and then also like breaking grammar rules a lot that we all know the teachers hated at school. So starting sentences with conjunction because sometimes it literally just sounds better to start with and. Um, italicizing words the impact having like a one-line sentence um and another thing I like to do which my client actually lets me do which is surprising but I like to like elongate words so like I might write a sentence and you know when you say something like that's really suspicious like I would write that how I speak it so it wouldn't be spelt the normal way it would have like six y's at the end of it so small things like that mostly grammar based to just make it a little less dull really do you ever write for clients that you don't know how the tech works 
yeah no not all the time <laughs> I should be saying that but yeah no all the time like I find like I'm learning new things every day and it's just always like constant researching um sometimes you'll be writing about the same product again and again and you're like okay I, I get it now but yeah I'm not a technical this is weird because I'm not like a tech person by heart I hate maths I hate like all that stuff so it's kind of like, what am I doing in this niche? But I like it. It's it's a weird one. But yeah, I always research. This is like the big thing for me. Consistency with making money. I feel like freelancing can be a little bit difficult when you don't have any like passive income or you don't have any other jobs that you're doing. So in the beginning, how did you make sure that you were able to pay your bills with writing? So to be totally honest... Um, right at the start, like right at the start, I was, I think I, I, I got taken advantage of quite badly. I, th- I started when I was like 17, 18 and a lot of the gigs for, they could just pay me like pennies. I think one of them paid me like 10 pounds per 1000 words, which I think is like $8 or something. I'm not good at maths, something like that. And it just was ridiculous, but I was living with my parents at the time anyway. So it was like, it was fine. And, but because I started so early, I was able to kind of build up that experience and kind of jump at it quite quickly. So by the time I like left university and started freelancing and getting a few clients, I was making enough at some point, like about six months in to kind of pay the rent. It was still a bit shaky at the start. Like I couldn't fully like splash the cash. I mean, I when I say splash the cash, I mean like have a takeaway pizza. Like for me, that was splashing the cash back then. Um, but yeah, within a year, it stabilized for me and I was I was at a happy place. I had two clients and they were both regular. So that was enough for me. That was pretty much covering my costs, but it did take a year or two because I'd been doing freelance copywriting since I was like 17, 18, but it was all like low level stuff. So it was like a had to build up a tiny bit. How did you find your first couple of clients? Was it like people posting job searches or were you going out and cold pitching them? It was like a mixture of both. So like I would apply to gigs on like LinkedIn, Indeed. I don't really like Indeed that much. Um, There's so much better sites out there. Like what are the creative access, um, working, not working. But yeah, it'd be a mixture of those. And also obviously I'd send some of my work to companies I wanted to work for. A lot of them were very small, like nobody really knew them, but they were more than happy to have me come on and do like something small for them for like a really low price um because they didn't have a content team and right at the start that really helped me I'm not saying you need to like put yourself down to, to get into this industry but I was like 17 18 you know it was it was really hard to break in so that was the way I did it what do you think is the biggest mistake you've seen both in like random things like this is my number one pet peeve and also in people trying to start a writing business so in writing, and again, this kind of goes back to your whole, the TEDx talk that you did, which again, like so many things you say were like universal truths, but a lot of people like I've seen come to me with, they want to get feedback on their writing um, and they're fresh from university or fresh from high school. And they come with this really, really academic stiff writing style, which is not the way you're supposed to write copy. They obviously it's not their fault. They've just been taught that this is the way you have to write it your whole life, which is, that's the mistake. Um, and I also had to go through a process of like unlearning what I thought was good writing, you know? So that's one. And then the second one, more more of like a random one, which is, 
it's like more it's my family remember my mom I know like cheese and marmalade and like sweet stuff goes together but like for me putting like cheese on toast with like orange jam just it's just weird that's that's my one random thing what are your favorite foods this is hard okay sweet potato in in Portugal they have this like really nice purple one um mozzarella and bubble tea what about you bubble tea is really good we have Trader Joe's around here so they have like a box that you can buy and like warm it up so that's really nice I love trying like random cute sparkling waters that you find because there's so many of them now um french fries just like sweets I'm more of a sweet person yeah no I can eat like any it's just why I try not to buy too much chocolate because it will be gone like within a day so yeah so going back to the writing one last question for you you have a very like community over competition but not in like the pink Instagram kind of way so I guess the first question for you is have you ever thought or had the feeling like, oh, if I'm training all of these other copywriters that they're going to like take my job or something. And then if anyone listening is like, oh, I want to be a copywriter. I want to learn from Carolyn. How can they go find you on Instagram and find the membership? Your first question is like a really interesting one. Like one I've not heard before. Um, I've not, I've not thought that I think ever, I think because my whole mission is just to make it easier for them than it was for me. And mm-hmm. to create a space just for like young people in writing and copywriting, because there's, there was nothing like that out there when I was like 18. Tw- I'm, t- I, I'm talking like I'm like 50, like <laughs> oh, back then. I promise I'm 23. But um, yeah, so I, I've never felt like that. I think I think the big thing that I'm worried about is that um, pe- people are not adjusting to AI properly. They're running away from it, you know, it's kind of like you need to learn about it, you need to understand it. And also the copywriters who are sort of writing the Dell stuff, the stuff that like even AI could churn out, like they're generic articles, like we need to move into being more creative. So this is what I'm more worried about with my community, but I'm teaching them. And when I say I'm teaching them, I don't just mean me, like we bring speakers on, experts, like I hate being like the one source of like, this is the way. So I think multiple perspectives are really important. And then two, for finding out more like following us I think the best place to go is Instagram so at the word tonic it's a bunch of weird stuff on there you could find out more so yeah that that's me all right thank you so much this is so fun no worries thanks for getting me on this was great like when I found out your story I was like wow this is this is amazing thanks for listening to this episode of soaring stories If you want to stay connected until next week, join my newsletter at the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts.